This is the ASI Podcast. ASI247.org is the website. My name is Russ Shaw. Today, Season 4, Episode 6, Part 2 with Daniel Pryor. Daniel's a great guy and a seasoned, educated, experienced counselor in areas like this. This is one of those episodes it's it's a good idea to even take notes on if you feel so inclined. Here you go, getting into it. most from what I've heard statistically the reason why most men um, is the thing about men go into counseling is that they've been for sexual addiction or sexual mm-hmm. compulsion whatever you want to call it is that they've been busted like something's happened in their yeah. life and 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 they have to react to it and usually that means that they go to a counselor. that was me mm-hmm. I ended up in a pastor's office because I couldn't afford a real mm-hmm. counselor that's mm-hmm. how I mm-hmm. reasoned it out <laughs> Yeah. I, didn't, I haven't been uh-huh. to church in like years. Yeah. This is my mom's pastor. And these guys were just brilliant, really super compassionate. They mm-hmm. put up with me when I was, you know, I mean, I was angry and I didn't mm-hmm. like Christians. Yeah. <laughs> and here I was in one's office. Mm-hmm. So these guys were just super patient and, and compassionate with me. But uh, speak to that a little bit, that, that, that a lot of folks who are listening may or may not be in, in that camp where they know they need to get help and some of it is coming from the outside. That relational aspect is saying you need help and mm-hmm. if you're not going to get help, that's kind of showing that you're just, you don't care maybe mm-hmm. the, the the cooperation in a relationship or where a guy's married or has a girlfriend or something and she's saying do you love this addiction more than me? Maybe she's mm-hmm. asking that. Could you mm-hmm. Could you speak to that? Why a guy would Maybe he's in your office and he sits here and he says, you know, I'm here because my wife wants me mm-hmm. to be here. How would you approach a guy like that? Well, I that? think it kind of goes back to uh, it, um, there has to be a paradigm shift in the way we think uh, because it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about this whole, the idea of relationship being shared being. Right. Uh, and we have, uh, we have an idea uh, that um, it's kind of maybe a product of the whole individualist society um, we, we have a we have an idea that uh, that um, you know I'm I'm a person I know who I am and um, uh, other you know I'm trying to fit in with other people but they don't sort of get it uh-huh. and so I sort of have to uh, um, kind of define life on my own terms and these are the things I enjoy and those are the things I don't enjoy and uh, you know this is just me so you know get along with it and. You know, you've right. got you, and I've got me, and this is this is just uh, entirely wrong. Yeah. Uh, that's animal nature, right? Uh, territorial, you know. Uh, but this know, is my but, tool, rock. Yeah, rock, smash, crush. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, and that's y- yeah. But the, so the reality of it is, and this is difficult for men, uh, I think more so than women. Maybe we can speak to that, in a, uh, you know, briefly. But right. um, the reality is that in order to be a person. I have to. The rest of who I am is in that other person. Right. My wife is the other part of me. Right. That's true. And the I only di- and, and I only discover myself in relationships. So I tell people your experience of yourself is really just your experience of other people experiencing you. Right. You know, self-image is a function of other people experiencing me. Right. We don't have a self that's apart from relationship. And when we get into that mindset that I have a self that's all um, self-contained, well, that's erroneous. 
And we, we, our, our world then is getting smaller. And I tell people, your world is either getting larger or smaller. You don't plateau off, ever. You're either pursuing relationships, that is, sacrificing yourself and being other-centered and pursuing uh, goals and industry in that same way, or you're pushing those away. You're pushing right. away opportunities, and you're pushing away people, and you're getting, your world is getting smaller and smaller. So a, lo- so a lot of times men have a, say in relationship with women, uh, we're going to draw on a couple things here. <clears throat> um, there's uh, a, a male is a male, a female is a female. You can right. tell by looking which is That's which. That's right. Bernie Gal say those. Oh, there's not that much of a difference. It's like walking a locker room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, but the confusion. But uh, masculine is not necessarily just male, and feminine is not necessarily just female. Right. Generally, they are. Uh-huh. But there are men who have more feminine traits than other men. Right. You've got engineers. You've got mathematicians. You've got florists. You've got actors and artists right and then you've got professional wrestlers and uh you know steeplejacks or you know the you uh, know uh, the the very masculine men and everything in, and then you've got women who have um some masculine traits uh-huh. you know margaret thatcher right uh you know um and so but the masculine side of our nature which is mostly men and so you have men um who our, the masculine side of our nature is more visionary, more what's over the next hill, what's around the next corner, uh, the big picture thing. And then the whim, uh, the feminine side of our nature is more sequential, ordered, um, taking care of things immediate. Right. Um, Relational. Yeah, yeah. And so another thing that, uh, that kind of um, uh, gets mixed up with that is... Um, the male brain, the hemispheres left and right, right. are more distinct than in the f- than the female brain, right. and so uh, unfortunately for men, this visionary, insight- insightful part is on one side of the brain, and the language is on the other side of the brain. Right. Uh, so we have difficulty talking about our ideas, right. and that's frustrating because we're in relationship with a creature who has very little difficulty talking about ideas. And so I find men sep- pushing the pushing the wife away, because we're frustrated because uh, we think they you don't understand me, right. and then I have such a, I have a difficult time expressing myself, and so I don't express myself. I would rather express myself physically. Right. You know, if you don't understand me, I'm going to slam the door, put my fist through the wall. Right. And then we won't talk about it, and I'll get my way. Um, so it's a it's a it's a real challenge for men to understand that. God put me in this in this relationship, and He created Adam and Eve in such a way that the man actually has to lay his life down, right? That's right. In order to be the fully human, yeah. It's the learning process. It is, and that's part of what what you were saying too. Reminds me of, of the the sexual um, part of that too. A lot of guys. And we're speaking a bit in generalities, mm-hmm, but sure. this is one of those things that uh, that I've seen and you see, and, and it has to do with a, a lot of just what occurs mm-hmm. between with most people <laughs> in mm-hmm, in a psychological mm-hmm. and spiritual realm. Yeah. Is that is that I think it, part of it is the role of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Like if she is having sex with me, then she's accepting me, and that's not necessarily true. Like that's yeah. the physical intimacy thing of the equivalent of slamming the door when we're angry right like if she isn't giving it up like she ought to you know and some people can get into the the religious aspect of oh well the bible says that you're supposed to well it also says rest Mm -hmm. and pray Mm -hmm. and be in you know Mm -hmm. be in it's not the sex isn't you know yeah giving yourself to another person in that way isn't just a like yeah. slamming the door it, yeah. is it, Daniel? No, unfortunately, we've made uh, sexual intimacy the chief cornerstone of the relationship, which it never should have been. Right. So people say, um, you know, for example, and we were talking earlier, you know, if, if God didn't mean us to enjoy it, why is it fun? Simply for the fact that if it weren't fun, there wouldn't be any life on earth. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's a very practical matter. Yeah. Um, but it's not a toy. No. And to make it the chief cornerstone of the relationship, there's, uh, it's been said people are least loving when making love. Um, right. uh, sexual intimacy turns out to be, at some point, a very selfish thing. 
And what I tell people is, uh, we talk about quote unquote making love, but we're uh, most generally making a lot of things other than love. We're making disrespect. Uh, we're making uh, devaluing uh, emotional and psychological distance. There's a lot of things going on um, in the name of making love. If we want to truly make love in the bedroom, we need to be making love in all the other parts of life. Right. You know, um, for a for a moment, how do how does a man make love to his wife in the garage? Change the oil in her car. Make sure her car is clean. Yeah. Um, she's going to be getting into that. Take care of it for her. How, what about the living room? Pick things up. Vacuum. Right. Um, uh, do what you see needs to be done. Make love. You know, live other centered. Yeah. And then when you go in the bedroom, you will make love. But I think what we'll find is we'll have difficulty using Hollywood's brand of sexual intimacy and the pornography industry. We're going to have difficulty using that brand of sexual intimacy if we truly love that other person. There's going to be have to be a change in behavior because a lot of what we call lovemaking is condescending, yeah. it's devaluing, dehumanizing. Yeah. It's self-centered. It is self-centered. And, and you're yeah. right about, you know, Hollywood's one thing, but it, it, it's also a reflection of our culture, which yeah. is kind of worship sex. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're a, a, a sort of a sex-saturated culture. You mm -hmm. talked about Shelton with the, the mm -hmm. porn <laughs> yeah. stores on each side of the yeah. city. They're like, they're like little temples. Yeah. And, uh, and you're right, it's, it's, it's that physical need because it's part of our survival mechanism mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's being attached to the, the self-centeredness. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I, I tell listeners is that I think that a lot of reason why people listen is because they realize that that is not giving them life. Right. Like I was lied to by that message that's out there that says sex is God mm -hmm. and I'm realizing that that was a lie now. Yeah. <laughs> and because my life is falling apart like right. I get my marriage together mm -hmm. my my behavior mm -hmm. sexual behavior once it becomes addictive it starts to own you mm -hmm. rather than you owning it yeah. and that mm -hmm. takes some work to change those those mm -hmm. habits mm -hmm. doesn't mm -hmm. it Daniel? It does. And again it's not easy but it's simple because the work is relationship and industry you know accomplishing right. things um, accomplishing meaningful goals and meaningful goals always have to do with other people they can't be selfish and so that's where the balance comes in that um, uh, and and intimate relationships you know being other centered you know if you're other centered and you're living uh, for that other person when you establish goals they are person centered right. as opposed to a person who has no relationships, needs no relationships, you know, quote unquote, needs no relationships, right? Um, and then establishes just some sort of sense of immortality and things that I accomplish, right? Um, but never satisfied, you know, never, never growing in dysfunctional uh, goals too, right? Right, yeah. and that's that's important that we see we, we, that we just would would see that something that that I, that I wanted to address too. Um, in, in approaching and even approaching some of this stuff and I heard a uh, there was a, a TV show that my wife and I like to watch it was about it, it's a true story it's called Graceland and it was about a, a, a bunch of um, folks who work for the federal government and law enforcement mm -hmm. that lived in this house and the drug dealer that used to own the house was a big Elvis fan mm -hmm. so that's why they called the house Graceland beautiful house on the beach of Malibu um, and, and one of the guys who lived there actually wrote a book about his stories from the, the 70s and 80s mm -hmm. as, a, as a you know drug enforcement guy who worked for the mm -hmm. FBI. Mm -hmm. And there was a, one of those shows. I was I'm a former drug dealer. I've mm -hmm. been radically <laughs> saved. So mm -hmm. the fact that I'm sitting in your office today is a bit of a, a miracle. So I, so I know that world a little bit. Mm -hmm. it, it's a mm -hmm. it's a dark world. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy in in, in uh, a big kingpin drug dealer guy from from Africa, and it just barely spoke English and stuff. Loved American cowboys, and this guy is kind of this this agent, you know, secret agent, mm -hmm. you know, undercover is just cozying up to this guy, and he, they're watching, you know, old westerns, and the guy's like wearing cowboy hats mm -hmm. and stuff, and and he he finally asked him, he says, why why the American cowboy? Why why are you so intrigued by these stories of the cowboy? And he says, because the cowboy's all alone, and he doesn't need anybody, mm. and he takes what he wants, 
and he, you know, it's this whole American uh -huh. kick-ass, yeah, you know, uh -huh. kind of take yeah. what you, and, and, and I thought that, that was eye-opening to mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Because I think underneath that is an underlying kind of a self-protective layer, mm -hmm. a shell, so mm -hmm. to speak. And, and I had that shell. Mm -hmm. And I think it was influenced by shame mm -hmm. and guilt. Mm -hmm. It wasn't processing guilt in a way that uh, that was biblical. I remember um, being in, in, in a group at, at Mars Hill, and they would talk about uh, the difference between in regret... Uh, I think that's Second uh, Corinthians seven ten, where, where godly, you know, uh, the, the godly guilt mm -hmm. or godly regret or godly sorrow, mm -hmm. it, it it causes life change. It's mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. good, whereas the the worldly guilt, sorrow, mm -hmm. and shame leads to death. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I I had in me that I, I really believed that I was bad, that mm -hmm. I was dirty, that I needed to be the American cowboy. That was the only self-image that I, because I had to fake it to the world. I had to be alone mm -hmm. because no one's going to understand me. Believing some of those mm -hmm. lies. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you could speak to that a little bit. There's a big difference between guilt and shame, isn't there? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shame is something that's that's real. It's internalized. I I like to think of shame as uh, an internalized message of lack of worth. Right. Um, John Bradshaw says that. Shame, shame is the emotion that reminds us we're we are mortal, right? And uh, and that's what it's about. It's uh, an internalized message of lack of worth, and we all have that, um, right? You know, uh, looking back. I guess at, for me, my worth just. Uh, mm -hmm. I get what you're saying, but I guess for me, I, my worth became. I don't know. Maybe a, a, I thought I was. A, worthwhile I guess that was some of my secular counseling mm -hmm. as a kid like I had really super low self-esteem mm -hmm. so some of the counseling that I got pumped up my self-image mm -hmm. to the point where I was just more of a, a confident criminal yeah yeah see, <laughs> so I felt that I had worth but it was it was you know focused in the wrong yeah. direction it's, maybe? Go, it's going the wrong direction because the worth that you're getting out of that kind of counseling is this is telling you you don't need other people yeah but it's other people that actually give you the sense of of worth, right? And um, God, but, you don't but, need God. Yeah, but, but not you're, the, you're yeah. God. <laughs> but but other relationships don't give you the sort of worth that you just borrow and then you're all you're all your. No, relationships give you the sort of worth that that teaches you that I'm I'm dependent upon relationships. Right. You know my uh, our our worth as human beings is in relationship. Human beings are in relationship. That's right. when, you know when God created again. You know God is eminently intimate relational. That is within Himself. He's He's intimately relational, and He created us eminently intimately relational. That is within ourselves, right? As human beings, not just not not me, um, because Moses made that clear when he wrote. I wish we had some time to go into that. Moses made that clear when he went. In, you know Genesis one and Genesis two. You know, in Genesis 2, it, he has um, God creating Adam the male, mm -hmm. but not in God's image. Right. In Genesis 1, he has God creating Adam and Eve in God's image. So he makes it clear in chapter 2 that right. Adam, the male, is not in God's image. Right. God's image is two Both. in relationship, right. eminently, intimately relational. But the kind of counseling you get that pumps you up as an individual is pushing you away from relationships and right. that's going in the wrong direction going back to the repentance and the you know when when we have con the conviction of god it's a thing that draws us to him uh -huh. when we have guilt it's a thing that pushes us away from people right and god yeah and god yeah because we believe mm -hmm. that god is done with us yeah. and that's yeah. some of that kind of you know yeah. fire and brimstone preaching yeah. that some people can grow up in as well. I, I wrote a I wrote an article and published it at a at a place I'd like to give it a plug if you don't mind. Oh sure. Um, it's christiancounselorsforum.com. Okay. christiancounselorsforum.com. And the current article there is on trust, forgiveness and communion mm -hmm. or communication. Um, and it will surprise people maybe to read that and learn a little bit about 
what God's forgiveness is and what our forgiveness is and that it really relies on relationship. Right. You know, um, the feeling, the, the experience of being forgiven. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I know God's forgiven me, but, you know, I don't feel forgiven. And then other people will talk about, well, you got to forgive yourself, which um, that's kind of just a word game. Mm -hmm. Because the whole thing of forgiveness, you know, there's the prefix for and then there's the root word give. It has to do with giving. Right. And then the idea of forgetting, I don't know how long, you know, or how we associate that with loss of memory, but <laughs> the prefix is for, and the root word is get or receive. Uh -huh. So forgiveness, the, the feeling or the experience of forgiveness can only happen in the context of a relationship of giving and receiving. Right, so that you makes can't, sense. You can't feel or experience forgiveness without relationship with God. Right. It's relationship with Him that makes me feel forgiven. Right. It's not a word game or a history no. lesson. Yeah, I, that's why you know, forgive and forget. Well, that, that even, that always yeah. rubbed me the wrong yeah. way. Yeah. Is that even possible? No, <laughs> and, and it's not even what the word means. Right, but it's true that if we are in that if, in that experience of in the relationship of giving and receiving, that these little offenses do slip from our memory. Yeah, we don't recall them anymore. Right. But it's not because of forgetting. Uh, right. It's because you know forgiving and forgetting, forgiving and for receiving. I say, is you know that experience of that is, um, and dealing with shame, dealing with conviction, you know, has to do with that idea of forgiving. You know, and but that can that experience is only available in a giving and receiving relationship. When when God forgives us, what it really means is, in spite of what you did, He's still giving Himself to you, right. holy. Yeah. And that's yeah. relational. Yeah, that's relational. It's not a yeah. system or yeah. a little religious thing that you put on paper. And right. Like a legal thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like God, like Jesus, yeah. Jesus yeah. loves me like my mom, you know. Mm -hmm. he, he, or there's the old bumper sticker that I, that I saw that uh, um, God, God loves you. The rest of us think you're kind of an asshole. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, there's uh -huh. some truth to that, yeah. right? And some people think that about God sometimes. That God loves me like my mom loves me. Yeah. The rest of the world doesn't like yeah. me that much, doesn't understand me. But that's not uh -huh. relational either, is yeah. it? Because yeah. God wants our lives to flourish. Yeah. He yeah. loves us. He yeah. wants to see us change yeah. and grow. And, yeah. and, and understanding God's love does mean being other-centered. Yeah. You know, um, being, you know, loving other people is how we learn God's love. Right. Yeah. Right. That's very true. Very true. And I wanted to, I wanted to touch on... Um, Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things, aren't they? I think they're related. I'm. I've yeah. done some writing on this and done some yeah. talk about that. I think yeah. they're related too. Yeah. But uh, you know, you're you're blowing my mind a little bit with your definition of forgiveness, which well, I that, love. Yeah, and yeah, I would say that I would say this: the tradi the way we tra have traditionally thought of forgiveness is very different from reconciliation because the reconciliation is about relationship. Right. And forgiveness, we tend to thought about, think about that the way I get forgiven for a ticket if I take it to court and the judge says, I'm going to let you slide on that one. Um, he's basically given me a pass, but that's not the forgiveness that, that I want to experience in a relationship. You know, yeah. when, you know, when I say I don't feel forgiven by God, I'm not saying the same thing as when I consider myself forgiven by, by the judge in the court. Those right, are two right. totally different concepts. All I want from the judge is a pass. Let me off the hook. Right. But if I just say to God, just let me off the hook, I will never feel forgiven because that requires the feeling of God giving himself to me. And that's more like reconciliation. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so God, yeah. I, but let, let me put this in a, in a, what do you call it, a case study, mm -hmm. for example. Um there's a woman who some of this some of this story is true and, and some of the aspects of it are are, are made up for <laughs> so that we could discuss it bring it out on the table and, and put this into a into a case study um, there's a woman who was sexually abused by her father when she was about 12 years old mm -hmm. she started to blossom as a young woman and and her dad used mm -hmm. her sexually for a, a little over a year before she said something and he was caught and went to prison. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was caught, he was convicted of child rape mm -hmm. and, and went to prison for a couple of years. You fast forward uh, 10 years into the future, she's 
done some counseling. She's now married. She's, you know, 23 and uh, dad's out of prison and wants to meet one of, wants to rekindle this relationship. Mm -hmm. They're both Christians. He, he meets Jesus in jail, mm -hmm. sort of, right? He's, mm -hmm. he's yeah. trying to work out his faith. He had right. something went on. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. quite understand it, but something's changed in uh -huh. his heart. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to rekindle this relationship. Mm -hmm. So she decides that, okay, I I'll, I'll go ahead and meet with you, and we'll try and start this relationship. They meet in a park, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Grandpa ain't going to be mm -hmm. babysitting the kids, yeah. mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. So they're, they're taking baby steps in, in rekindling this mm -hmm. relationship. Um, but, but so her husband goes over to, to help him with some computer issues mm -hmm. and finds pornography on his computer. Mm -hmm. Which busts up that trust, doesn't it? I mean, that yeah. mm -hmm. I can forgive you, but in order for us to be reconciled, I need to see mm -hmm. some change in this area. Like, are you getting help still? Mm -hmm. and, are you, well, I don't really need counseling mm -hmm. or, or whatever this guy might say. Mm -hmm. um, what do you do in that situation? If you're this young woman, it, it, I think it's important to forgive because, you know, not forgiving is like drinking poison mm -hmm. and expecting the other person to die. Mm -hmm. But not being reconciled, like, say this guy just doesn't care. He just mm -hmm. doesn't, mm -hmm. I I'm going to look at porn, I don't care. I mean, yeah. what would you do in that situation? Well, as far as trust, you can only trust someone to do what they've shown you they're going to do. Right. So we, it's back to what we talked about earlier, the, the risk in confidence. So he might say to his daughter, aren't you going to trust me? And her response could only be, you mean, am I going to take a risk Right. When you, he might say, no, don't you have any confidence? Yes, I have confidence that you're going to look at pornography again because that's what you've shown me you're going to do. So that's the confidence I have. I trust you to look at pornography. Will I trust you not to? That's asking me to take a risk. Right. Well, you can only take so many risks. Right, right. Okay, and it's just not safe after that. And maybe at this point, she said, it's not safe to take a risk. Now, um, so... Uh, the underlying, uh, the, the thing that underlies the trust that we really think we're talking about when we ask for trust, don't you trust me? What we're really saying is, uh, we're not talking about, do you trust me to fulfill a list of do's and don'ts? We're really saying, do you trust me with you? Right. Okay. Now, she can't trust him with her uh -huh. because he's shown her that she can't do that. Right. But does that mean that she hasn't forgiven him? Well, forgiveness is going to have to be in layers because, as we were talking earlier, uh, to forgive means to, and regardless of the offense, I'm going to give and receive. Right. But if there's not that underlying um, trust, in this article that I wrote that, I, that I've referenced Christian Counselors Forum, it talks about trust, forgiveness, and communion. We say communication. I use the word communion, too. Trust, forgiveness, communion those have to happen together. You can't have one without the others. Right. So forgiveness can't really be there without trust, and trust requires something underlying. Just like forgiving and forgetting require something, relationship underlying, communication requires communion underlying. If those things aren't there, then this, this other stuff is on the surface. Right. You know, do I trust you to take care of this checkoff list? Um, I trust you to take care of the checkoff list, but I don't trust you with me. Right. Or um, have you forgiven me? Um, I'll, I'll over. I, I can. I can. I can overlook that last offense, and I can give myself to you reservedly. Why? Because I can't trust you with me. Right. We don't have communion. Right. Right. So. So. Um, forgiveness, you know, this is a lofty word and, and a lofty, uh, you know, ambition. But the fact of the matter is, you can't do the impossible like that, you know. And so, so we we resort to words, um, but they they have varying meanings and degrees of meaning. And as long as you can't trust the person, forgiveness is something that you're aspiring to. Right. That it requires communion. It requires this trust. Um, and if the person um, is showing me that no, you can't trust me with yourself. Then I'm saying, okay, my forgiveness can only go as deep as the trust can go, and as deep as the communion is. That's all the deeper it can go. Right. So when the Bible commands us to forgive, 
is that uh, what, what does that look like I guess you know well, that's more the relationship see I think I see what you're saying it's it's entering into that relationship it's yeah. that you're open to reconcile yeah. with the person um, when the Bible commands us to live to forgive and this is where um, the translation of the Greek and Hebrew into the English is a little bit cumbersome I really love the English word forgive because I think it captures um, the idea of of ideally what God is all about Right. Giving and receiving, uh, but the the actual uh, Greek word, um, uh, uh, I'm trying. I've got it in my mind, but I'm going to try to. Uh, it's um, uh, ephemi. I think is a ephemi is the is the way it's pronounced. Means to release or untie or send away, and and so that's the um, that's the for part of forgive. Right. And so I can say. Um, you know, Christ. You know, the disciple asked Christ, "How many times should we forgive?" And he's talking about that Greek word "aphemi." How much? How many times should we send? Uh, should we uh, send the send the offense away, and un, and release the offense? You know, Seventy times seven. Right. The English word captures what God is really after, I think, and that is the giving and receiving. Right, right. Because that's what it's really about. Don't quit on yeah. the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Keep working towards. Yeah, so so he can say, yeah. you know, um, a guy, uh, you know, you've got a friend that every time he comes to visit you, uh, money disappears. Right. And you say, well, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, but I'm still going to start hiding my wallet. Right. I have a um, friend who, uh, his brother is a heroin addict, he, he, he was. I think he's he's doing better now. Um, but he, he would come over to, to my friend's house and my friend couldn't just send his brother to, out on the street, especially mm-hmm. when it was like 10 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. He was a homeless heroin addict. But he had a... Because every time he'd bring his brother into his house, stuff would go missing, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So that trust barrier was broken. Uh-huh. He actually built a little room in his house for his brother because he loved his brother mm-hmm. with a lock on the mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. So he would lock him in there so he could sleep at yeah. night and, uh, and let him out in the morning and, mm-hmm. hey, keep encouraging, get help, get help, get mm-hmm. help. Yeah. Um, but that's that's kind of a like what you're saying, right? Yeah, and and just to go back to this, uh, the idea of the the Greek here, when when the disciple asks uh, Christ, you know, how many times did I forgive? He's back to this idea of there's a checklist here. This is what these are the guys' offenses. How many times should I just overlook these things? Right. And Jesus is saying seventy times seven. The message he's driving home is that you're missing the point. It's not about it's not about just it's dismissing not the it's not about dismissing the, the offenses. Right. It's about relationship. It's about intimate relationship. Right. So we get um, as but if that intimate relationship is not there, you know, the best you can do is um, try to overlook the offenses. But you can see how far that will go. If somebody keeps taking money from my house, I'm going to say, Yeah, you're welcome to come over. I'm just going to make sure there's no money in sight or it's all <laughs> going to be locked up. Now, do we have a relationship? Not really. I mean, right. we're trying to get to there. Right. And so what we've got is the very least, the very least I can do is give you another chance, give you a chance. But if, if the rest of our relationship is just me giving you a chance and you taking advantage, we're never going to have what God really is after. Right. We're never re- really going to have that, you know. And so I think what Jesus is saying to the disciple is that, you know, if you're worried about these little details, you're on the wrong track. Right. It's not about um, somebody's offending you and how many times how many times you just check this off and write right, it off. Right. It's um, the deeper thing is you know um, the giving and receiving relationship. Right. So if you're worried about people offending you, you're not. Um, we're not. We're talking about two different things. Right. Right. But if you want to go, if you want to go there, uh, always write it off. Right. Always write it off. Just make sure your money's locked up. Right. You know. Jesus did that a lot with the Pharisees. Yeah. He would almost go to a, a sort of comedia, yeah. comedic sort of satire yeah. with yeah. with some of these guys. And the disciples were, some yeah. of them were, were, were like yeah. that. I guess, uh, Daniel, I would, the way I would break down forgiveness and reconciliation, I, I, I've, you know, been a, a coach in situations with, uh, with folks, even a, a church situation. And, uh, it's like, okay, your spouse, or you're my Christian brother, and I want to help you. I do. But your spouse, your wife, is my Christian sister, and she needs to know what's going on. She needs to trust you. 
um, a lot of what guys when when guys are you know I mean pornography it, it progresses and mm-hmm. eventually you, people if they start seeing prostitutes and stuff like that to, in in my mind that's a that's a form of uh, domestic violence mm-hmm. that the woman in that situation if if it's a woman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes guys are the victim too mm-hmm. but that's a that's a form of domestic violence because they don't know what's going on with their genitals, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. If they're being used in other mm-hmm. places, so um, for me, I think I've I've looked at it as as economy a little bit. Like I'm releasing this person of of a, of a debt, but that's maybe not so relational, is it? I guess if you right. mm-hmm. if you love someone, um, yeah, that's. That's a different way to look at. It. Thanks for for that, by the way. I'm learning here as we're uh-huh. doing this this interview conversation because yeah. that that's true. And 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 the the reconciliation part of it is to say, um, I I need you know I'm I'm I want to reconcile this relationship. Mm-hmm. I want to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Can we bring it back to what it was? I guess it's well. Really that's changing, a way. Of, that's a way it? of speaking of it. But we're really moving on. Right. We're really moving on. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, because uh, had we, had we been walking uh, in in all of the light, then a lot of these uh, errors we wouldn't be making. Right. Um, so so in a sense, we're reconciling. That is, we're coming back to a place where we can move on together. Um, but actually, you know, rather as opposed to restoring relationships, we're actually moving on from um, you know moving on in the relationship. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it, you can never go back and undo things that have been done. Yeah, that's right. true. Sure. So, so yeah. through you know a divorce situation, or you don't have to hate that person. I think that there's a, and there's a lot of people that get divorced and they're still mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. when it happens. I mean, we don't want to see people get divorced, mm-hmm. but that does happen. Mm-hmm. And and so you can still. Can you still forgive someone, Daniel, and <laughs> be divorced from them? I guess there's a process in there. We don't want people to get divorced. We want to see that thing work again, out. But if they're not going to yeah. change, yeah. Um, again, you know, if a per- if the person's not going to not going to change, then the the idea of forgiveness is boiled down to bi- just basic the very basic thing of saying, uh, "I'm not. Go- I'm going to release you from that," which is back right. to the Greek uh, uh, word. I'm going to release you from that. If you if you choose to continue to walk in it, um, that's that's yours. Right. Um, I am not going to tie you in that. Right. I'm I don't want to have against you. Yeah. I'm not going to. I want to see you yeah, bleed. Yeah. I'm not going to hire a hitman. Mm-hmm. Right. But <laughs> but I do. Yeah. But the deeper meaning. What is going to be our relationship? There probably isn't going to be much much of one. Unfortunately. Right. Unfortunately. But it's not going to be on my side. Yeah. It's like that's, that's, it's like God's you know in His forgiveness you know everything is forgiven. He's giving Himself, but He really can't. If I don't receive it, it can't be given. Right. And so that's so the relationship is not there. And so the outcome of that is I never feel forgiven because He can't give Himself to me because I won't receive. Right. I won't reciprocate. Right. And so, so, so he's a, done all. It, so it can be one-sided, you see, and right. then you never get to what uh, what's really captured in the English word of forgive. You, it, you never really get there, right? Which is, I think, uh, what God is all about. He's not just about okay. Uh, I think you know Christ died for all sin, so I guess that's covered. Shoot, you know that. Yeah, and that one's covered too. Yeah, you know, it's not about that. It's, it's not a about checklist. checkoff list. Yeah, it's about intimate relationship. That's putting the system yeah. above the relationship, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's ninety percent relationship, but ten percent system. Yeah. That's kind of what you're saying, yeah. right? Yeah, the systems are important. The systems mm-hmm. like the toolbox. Mm-hmm. That's important, mm-hmm. but the relationship is is that's where we live. Yeah, the objective is is being an intimate relationship, being wholly human, being yeah. in, in intimate relationship with God. That's our DNA. Yeah, and that it? idea of being wholly human and the fact that relationships make us human—the the, the important part of that that I've seen is that um, we, you know, in order to have a relationship with God, it has to happen in the context of humanness. Right. You, so, so, so we have the incarnate God. That is the God that we can embrace. Uh-huh. The God that, that that became human. That part of God. I say the part of the part of God we call Christ made Jesus inevitable. 
Right. So, so, there, so there's that part of God that was demonstrated in, in, in human flesh so that we can embrace God that way. You right. can't hug infinity. Right, you know? that's and true. So, so we can, but in order to uh, fully appreciate the God-man, we have to be fully human. Right, that's true. Otherwise, we don't make the rendezvous point. That's the rendezvous point. Right. And how do we become fully human? Well, he's given us relationship. And so this idea, and, and it's so critical, the relationship between the man and the woman, because that's where the enemy has got his foot in because of this, you know, this um, amazing uh, appetite we have for, you know, sex. But yet when it's transposed from that basic physiological nature over into the spiritual nature, it becomes a weapon. Right. It becomes something we can intentionally use, and it's what we call evil. That is, it's not just bad. Right. It's intentionally bad. Right. Premeditated. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's very self-centered. Right. Um, Let me give you another uh, quick uh, um, scenario or case study. Um, a woman who, her sister and, and her husband have an affair and this went on for a couple of years mm -hmm. and she uh you know the, the whole thing got exposed they went to counseling they stayed married her and her husband but her and her sister don't have the relationship they used to and the sister's kind of seeking to come back into the mm -hmm. home mm -hmm. and and you know be reconciled so to speak to use that word mm -hmm. that's kind of a legal word uh, isn't it yeah. it's like it's like I want my plant to be reconciled back to where it was this high. I, I don't know if that, maybe that's one of those forgive and forget things, mm -hmm. the word. I mean, I like the word reconcile, but I'm kind of seeing mm -hmm. uh -huh. from your aspect what yeah. you're saying. Um, so that relationship is not ever going to be the same, is it? I mean, she can she can do some work to let her sister, but her sister yeah. doesn't come over anymore. Yeah. I mean, we're friends. We can go out. You're not talking to my husband. Yeah. And and that and that there's probably some work that she needs to have mm -hmm. done there, mm -hmm. but that doesn't make her unforgiving. And her sister might be over here in her little Christian yeah. clique of ladies going, "Well, your sister just won't forgive you like Jesus forgives you." Yeah. But that's not really true, is it? No, no. Um, you know, we're not. Uh, we're just we're human, and I don't. Even, we can't even comprehend um, the extent to which God gives Himself to us and receives us, and we certainly cannot duplicate that. On, on this level. And I would say that the, you know, the honest uh, uh, truth about that is that there are certain scars that are always going to be visible in relationships and, and uh, there's a sense or there's a point at which enough damage has been done that it simply cannot be overlooked. Right. Um, or or it, it's always going to be recalled. Uh -huh. So let's say forgiveness. Let's say forgive and instead of forget, let's say for receive. So in my relationship with my wife, I want forgiveness and for receiving, or we've previously called it forgiving and forgetting. Right. Okay. So um, now uh, we're cooking breakfast, and my wife uh, or I bump her elbow as she's putting the milk in the refrigerator, and I say, "Oops, excuse me," and she says, "Oh, it's okay." Now what just happened was forgiving and for receiving. And how long are we going to remember that? Right. Probably won't. Re probably won't remember yeah. it a couple hours later. That's different than having someone have an affair with your wife or something. Uh, so, so that's um, like an this earthquake. Forgiving right. for receiving that happens in that little cooking incident. Uh -huh. um, you say uh, yes. Um, you know, we say uh, God doesn't remember our sins once He's forgiven. And I want to dis distinguish that from him forgetting, right? You know, because that's not what that English word means. Uh, right. it, it, you know, he he doesn't remember it. He doesn't bring it up. But the forgetting has to do with for uh, for receiving. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. So that's something entirely different. But it is true, right? That uh, when my wife and I were forgiving and for receiving. Not that for not that for receiving means she forgot it, but she will forget it. We will forget it simply because our relationship meant much more than that. Right. Okay. That little incident is dwarfed by the giving and receiving in our relationship. So forgiveness and for receiving or forgetting are going on constantly. But if there's a deep enough wound, it will take a long time for that to slip from the memory. 
right. to where these people can get along and it won't come to your mind. Yeah. Is it possible? Like it, is po- it is possible. Yeah, yeah. It is possible. But things can happen to bring it back up. Uh-huh. And it will come back up until enough time has passed. And then that goes back to trust. Until I can once again trust you with me. Right. Uh, so, so again... Um, Your safe place. Yeah. So, so again, as time passes, it's, it, it's possible that the relationship could, again, be deep and rich. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also possible that uh, boundaries, new boundaries will be set for protection. Right. And that they simply, the best they can do is say, I'm not going to hold you. I'm not going to tie you to that. I'm going to, you know, the Greek word, um, aphemi, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release you from it. Um, I'm just going to keep my husband locked up. Right. You know, is it perfect? Um, no, but sin does that to us. Yeah. It would be, it, and it's that's that trust building relational aspect of that relationship too. You know, mm-hmm. we can move forward in this, but right now I don't want you anywhere near my husband mm-hmm. in, in that scenario mm-hmm. because that, for her to honor that, mm-hmm. would be a trust building exercise. Yeah. That it's working towards, mm-hmm. and, and again, is it okay if she, if she never has this relationship with her with her sister again? I I don't think she ever will. But I mean, mm-hmm. are we working towards where she can come over for Christmas, for example? Yeah, the, where or Thanksgiving. Will, so the, where it will start, where it will start is the person that was the offender. Um, she's asking herself. She's asking the other person, "Can you forgive me?" And um, so, so the other person is asking, uh, you know, in a sense, "Can you? Can I? Tr- you know, can I trust you with me?" Um, so, uh, what's the answer to that question? Can the person who was hurt trust herself to the offender? So the offender is saying, "Yeah, I th- you know, can't you trust me?" Well, it starts with the offender. Um, I'd ask you, you know, as the offender, I'd ask myself, should she trust herself to me? Is it true that I'm broken? Is it true that I'm contrite? Is it true that I won't do that again? Or is there still an, you know, an agenda? Because if it isn't true, you'll never sell that to the other person. It has to first be true. And if it is true, then the answer to the question is, time can heal a lot. But if it isn't true, it will it'll never go past that. There will always right. be something because we intuit so much about one another. Even if I don't know, even if the person hasn't done something, I can, you know, I can intuit an agenda, you know. Right. It's like, uh, I want to, I want to believe that you're asking for forgiveness isn't just because you got caught. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. one of those things, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the question is, how do I, how do I convince you that it isn't just because I got caught. Yeah. Well, here's how I start. That actually has to be true. Right. That's like that Psalms it, 51 yeah. kind of a, a thing yeah. where David is outed with mm-hmm. Nathan, and, and that's his heart. That's yeah. a great example yeah. of, of what you're talking about. That yeah. person is saying, yeah. you know, I wronged yeah. you. Yeah. I really messed up, yeah. and I'm sorry, and I want to rebuild trust. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll have, or I've had have, say for example, a husband's, you know, asking me, how can I, how can I convince my wife that I'm telling the truth? Well, first of all, you have to be telling the truth. If you're, if you're not telling the truth, you'll never convince her. Even if she doesn't catch you, she'll sense that something isn't right, even if she can't put her finger on it. Right. You know, how can I convince my wife that I love her? Well, first of all, you have to love her because if you don't, you'll never convince her. So that's where it starts. And right. once you're there. Then it can happen pretty quickly, but if you're not there, it can never happen. Right. How can I convince you that I'm sorry and that I'm contrite? Well, it has to first be true. Right. And then it won't be much of a problem. But if it isn't true, it's impossible. Yeah, that's true. Uh, trust is broken quickly and, and repaired very slowly, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's one of those... Maybe cliche kind of saying. Yeah, yeah because, because again, you can get back, you can say, you can break trust, and then you can say, okay, what do I do to restore your trust? And the person will come up with a list of things. But what they really, the truth of it, and the thing that they have no control over is, 
I'll trust you when I can trust myself to you. Right. And the thing is that you can fulfill everything on a trust list, and I still won't trust you if you're not trustworthy. Right. That is, or, or let's turn it around. If I offend you, or I take your money, and then I say, hey, can you forgive me? Can you trust me again? You might say, I'll trust you if, and you make a list. Right. I can fulfill all that list. Right. But if it isn't true, if it isn't true that you can trust me, the list isn't going to be, you know. The for, list is nothing. So here's it. So yeah, because I, I use this example of maybe you know, car salesman. I, if there's car salesman is out there, uh, you know, car, <laughs> I love you. But you know, <laughs> but, you know, you know lawyers give do. me this. Uh, right. Give me this. Uh, you know, um, the car salesman, he may never tell me a lie. Maybe honest. Right. <laughs> and I'll and I'll trust him to fill the to do the checklist. I'll trust him to, but I don't trust him. Right. Or you know, say I'll put it in another uh, another uh, situation. My wife probably has a long list of things she would never trust me to do. Balance the checkbook. Right. Um, use the washing machine correctly. Um, you know, <laughs> remember my phone every time I go to work. You know, right. a long list of things. But she trusts me. Right. But see, you know, once you got this long list of things, she doesn't trust you to do. Absolutely. Right. But she trusts you. Yeah. Some of that, some of that is is the relationship kind of maturing she as trusts well, her, isn't it? She trusts me with her. She right. doesn't trust me with the checkbook or the grocery list or et right. cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But she trusts me with her, so we have a trusting relationship. Right. And, and some of that's letting some of that go. Yeah, yeah. Love is, covers is, a multitude of sins. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that stuff gets let go because she looks at him and say, "You're spacey. You're a quirky, spacey guy." <laughs> right. But is it offensive? No, because I trust you with me. Right. So when we talk about trust, we're really talking about, do I trust you with me? So you can make a list, and I can fulfill the list, or I can make a list, and you can fulfill the list. But that really doesn't get to, can I trust you with me? Well, how do we get there? Well, it has to be true. Right. And that means you've got to be other-centered. I've got to be centered there. You've got to be centered here, or you'll never be able to trust yourself with me. Right, right. You know? That's so true. it gets back to, not easy, but simple. You know? Right. Um, defensiveness, Daniel. Um, one of the things I went through a lot of counseling. My wife and I went through a lot of counseling, and I, as the counselee, um, in scenarios with my, where my wife was there, for some reason, I I would continue to defend myself. I felt like I had some kind of a uh, not a right, but. I needed I needed to clarify everything that was going on with me so that when she like you were saying earlier about the trust when those little trust things come up where she feel, feels I'm lying which was most of the time mm -hmm. back then mm -hmm. but because of that yeah. because of that yeah. foundation was set yeah. where she just married a a liar mm -hmm. you know uh, so so now as our as our relationship has matured She's in the in, in the place where, like you were saying, that that I'm. She will give me the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. Like she may feel that I'm lying. She'll take a risk. She'll take a risk. Yeah. Even coming down here today, mm -hmm. is my wife taking a bit of a risk? Mm -hmm. Because there's something in the back of her mind that's going to mm -hmm. say that I'm out, you know, mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. bad stuff like mm -hmm. I used to. Mm -hmm. So that's speak to that defensiveness. Like maybe that's part of the maturity in the relationship aspect. Why do we get so freaking defensive, Daniel? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, people, you know, used to ask or maybe still ask, why do Christians need counseling? And my, my response is because it's so hard to die. That's um, <laughs> true. Yeah. It is. That's a good one. Uh, I love that. Because defensiveness is me still trying to control some things yeah. and not wanting to be completely vulnerable. And that's really what we're called to is complete vulnerability. Right. Um, so the defensiveness is now, um, you know, so a man asked me once, well, if I completely become vulnerable and lay my life down, what keeps my wife from walking all over me? And say, nothing. You know, <laughs> dead men don't have rights. Um, that's why you should be careful who you marry. Yeah. Um, because you are called to lay your life down and be completely naked. No right. fig leaves. Completely naked. Completely vulnerable. Um. And then just hopefully that other person is on the same track and they're recognizing what you're doing and they're saying, that's good. 
Right. I can trust myself to that person. He's completely open, completely vulnerable. But it's it's a, we take a risk, you know. That like yeah. the guy says, you know, what's going to keep my wife from uh, walking all over me? Nothing. Right. Nothing. And, and those risks come in waves, don't mm-hmm. they? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the first wave of uh, forgiveness for me, um, like I was mad at God. I was mad at my life. I was mad that I was born in the house. I was mad that mm-hmm. my parents got divorced a couple of times. I was just mad, mm-hmm. right? And I think I, I, I looked at that. I was mad at God. And, and for me, I had to like forgive God, which sounds may sound weird. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a lot of my uh, self-destruction was God doesn't care about me. And so I, I, in order for me to take it out on God, I'll take it out mm-hmm. on myself mm-hmm. or even other women mm-hmm. or being, mm-hmm. you know, the, the lifestyle that I was involved in, mm-hmm. um, not feeling bad about it mm-hmm. because... God made me this way. And then some of that had to do with some jacked up religion stuff I learned mm-hmm. as a kid as well. God loves all the good little children mm-hmm. who don't lie yeah. and steal. And yeah. like, oh, that's not me. Yeah. Wow. You know? So, uh, I guess how to, uh, uh, spilling out forgiveness for me as, as a beginning, maybe wave of that risk that you were talking about was, okay, I'm going to trust that this, some of this is true. And I don't want my friend to bleed. I mean, there was a part of me that if somebody wronged me, you, you know, you don't you don't cross me. I, I will I will teach you a freaking lesson, buddy. If you mm-hmm. cross Russ Shaw, mm-hmm. I, I will, in the in the world of being a, a criminal and a drug dealer, I never carried guns because I was a pretty good with my mouth and I was mm-hmm. good with talking. I was mm-hmm. pretty good with relationships on the level where if you're going to steal from me, mm-hmm. someone's going to be missing that money. And I'm not the guy with a gun that's going to come after you, but mm-hmm. I'm going to come after you, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to come after you with the wrath of God, everything. Just this, this total anger mm-hmm. that, that I think that was the first wave. Is that a wave for someone to say, I'm going to take all that blood that I want to see in it. I want to see someone bleed and, and, and put that on my Christian faith and say, Jesus bled for that what mm-hmm. happened. Is that... Yeah, is that yeah. a good metaphor for that? Is that yeah, a first yeah. wave? Yeah, and I think we, I think we have, you know, levels of like realization. Right. And I like the word realization. It's like making things real. Right. And so there's these principles that you know come uh, that you know I think maybe they're just God inspired. You know, where we we find ourselves in this situation, and God sometimes gets through that anger and says, "That's the wrong thing. This is the right thing." And so we, so we say, "Okay, you're right. I'm going to do the right thing," which doesn't change. Our nature, but it's almost like it, it's a it's it's a point of correction, and it's sort of like a it's a reminder, and reminders are good. Um, the the more often it, it you know coming out of addiction, one of the tools in the toolbox is find a way to remind yourself what change you want to make and how you're going about to make it. Right. So. Um, Write that down. Yeah, so there you get back to the calendar or whatever. So God might remind me, you know, I've got a lot of anger about something. You know, maybe it's traffic or maybe it's a situation. And and somehow God reminds me through, uh, he shows me a person or he reminds me of a verse. Or I think, oh, that's right. I want to write that down, that that verse or something. um, Because um, this is how I put pressure on myself to change in a certain direction. This is the change I'm trying to make. You know, here's a couple of things. This is what I'm doing. This is what it's costing me. This is the change I need to make, and here's how I'm going to make it. Right. And, until we see the cost of our behaviors, and that comes in layers. Right. But in, you know, uh, of course, we don't see the whole cost of our of, of our behaviors because we don't care that much about other people to begin with. You know, <laughs> so we don't right. we don't see true. what it's costing us. Right. We don't see what it's costing our children. We don't see what it's costing our wives. Yeah. But we don't we don't see what it's costing because we don't care that much about them. But as we begin to care more, then we begin to realize what it's actually costing and and what it cost God when we care more about Him. And we, now we realize what it cost, yeah. what our sins cost. So, um, what I'm doing, what it's costing me and other people, how I'm uh, um, how I'm trying to change or how I'm going to go about that, what I need to do to change, how I'm going to go about that. You know, so. Um, there are two ways that we change a traumatic event or pressure over time. Right. 
And so we don't have control over traumatic events, right? but we do have pressure, what control over the kind of pressure we put on ourselves back to the toolbox, you know, the calendar, uh, right. these little memos that I write myself, this is what I'm doing, this is what it's costing me, this is why, this is how I'm going to change, this is what I'm going to do to make that change. Right. Um, so in answer to the question, is that is are those good things, you know, even though it doesn't you know, necessarily, you know, Cause, cause reconciliation. Yeah, ca right. cause total reconciliation. Yeah, they're part of it. Right. Um, you know, uh, getting into uh, those habitual behaviors, addictive behaviors, is a deep, deep process, and coming out of it is is not uh, it rarely instant. Right. You know, rarely, and even and even if it is instant, we still have to go back and do the do the work of understanding. Right. Because you know, to to, to get out of that hole instantaneously I'd like to say you know we're sort of walking on thin ice right we, we if we don't understand how we got there we can't we can't know how not to get there again that's true you know uh, you yeah. know it, so it's like the, the, the thing in the rearview mirror yeah you know uh, Nate Larkin mm -hmm. a, a guy wrote a book Samson and the pirate monks another mm -hmm. um, great book about uh, you know sexual addiction mm -hmm. Uh, he talks about he talked about you know the fact that that thing is in the rearview mirror is is sort of a blessing. Um, Paul Young called it the affliction that heals. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You know, the fact that it's back there mm -hmm. um, has me wanting to grow and, mm -hmm. and, and distance myself right, yeah. from the man I was. Mm -hmm. Because there's no life there. I mean, mm -hmm. some of this is a little bit narcissistic, isn't it? Yeah. In, in a good way, mm -hmm. because God w doesn't want us to live in a death, right. dark yeah. desert, and mm -hmm. cold, mm -hmm. you know, iceberg. Mm -hmm. God wants to see. He loves mm -hmm. us. He wants mm -hmm. to see us mm -hmm. flourish, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. And and coming out again, and coming out of addiction when I'm just doing it for me, always is a, is a much more difficult task. Um, you know, and they say, you know, that, I don't know why they say this. You got to do it for yourself. You can't do it for that other person. But um, you know, I'm not sure <clears throat> if if this is exactly contradictory. But I just think that the, you know, it's fundamentally uh, correct to be living for other for another person, not just for myself. I mean, that's how I got in trouble in the first place. Right. You know, and so learning that, you know, I'm not a person by myself. I'm not human. You know, to be human means to be eminently, intimately relational. Right. And that's horizontally and vertically with God and, and others. And I sit behind this set of eyes, but I yeah. get to love other people. Yeah. And that's the good news. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the good news, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Daniel, thanks. We've, we've gone on over time. Thanks for spending this much oh, time with enjoyed me. Enjoyed it. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thanks um, for the opportunity. Your website is uh, BibleBasedCounselor? Yeah, BibleBasedCounselor.com. And the other one is ChristianCounselorsForum.com. You can sort of right. get to one from the other. but Right. And you do uh, you even do Skype yeah. counseling? Yeah, there's a flat rate for Skype. And so if people live further away, it makes sense for them. You know, they can easily, uh, so it's pretty affordable. Um, so I, you know, I've had, you know, some people from California and, you know, as far as far away as that. So, right. um, so they can't make an appointment and drive up here, or right? Even, or people from Tacoma, <laughs> right? You know, closer. But, um, yeah, that that works. Where I've got an office here in Edmonds and also an office in Bellevue. All right. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much again. Do you have any any final thoughts that you might uh, put out there for someone who's kind of, you know, on the fence about whether they they should get help or not. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's never a mistake to get help. Um, I know you know sometimes looking at the the whole the idea of going to see a counselor is like um, you know if we're going to see a dentist, we got a pretty good idea that I know exactly where the problem is and I know exactly what the dentist uh, pretty right. much up the dentist has to do with counseling is different. I don't know what the problem is, and so I'm 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 a little bit afraid that we're going to discover some things that I I don't want to be talking about or sharing. Right. Um, the alternative though is not good. No, that's not. the problem. The alternative is not good. It's like catching cancer yeah. in the early stages, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, And the ripple effect is yeah. not just that it kills the body, yeah. but it kills and, the soul. Yeah, and it's not just for me. It's yeah. for all the people that I affect. Yeah. And so getting some, getting some insights, getting some tools, um, are going to have an effect on the way. The I love my goes. wife, and my yeah. wife loves me. I love my daughter, and my daughter loves me. And these are things that. 
that benefit us for years and years to come. Right. And also, you know, relationship with God. Certainly that's fundamental to all of this other, um, because that's what makes it all possible. You know, we wouldn't even be talking about love if it weren't there in the first place. You know? Right, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Thanks again, Daniel. I appreciate, uh, appreciate your time here. Do you mind closing us in a, a prayer? No, I wouldn't at all. <laughs> all right. Lord, it's just a privilege to be chosen by you and um, uh, and and just blessed in this way, and um, just to you know walk with you in life. Uh, I just pray for um, people that are out there um, reading this, listening to this podcast, Lord, that you would um, just speak to them through this and you know direct them. Uh, in a way, cause them to know that it's that you're the one that's working in them, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. So, the very fact that they're knocking on this door means that um, they're they're in a sense walking with you and they're responding to you. So, um, we just uh, bless you for all the good that you are, and uh, just commit this ministry to you um, for your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel, thanks again. Thanks. Remember when your hope is lost and faith is shaken. Remember when you wonder if you're gonna make it. There's a hand stretched out through your deepest doubt. We can't pretend. podcast, the website, and the ministry of ASI is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not intend to supplement, replace, or substitute any professional, psychological, medical, or legal, or other counsel. Russ makes no representations of being a professional in any way, shape, or form. Artists or content providers and or guests on the podcast do not warrant an endorsement or recommendation or seal of approval of Russ Shaw or ASI247.org. Attitudes of Sexual Integrity and the Ministry of ASI is primarily funded and exists only because of the support from generous listeners and donations by people impacted by its message. If giving to the ASI ministry is something you feel led to invest in, the best way to do so is through the website ASI247.org via PayPal. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.